Do you ever wish life had an undo button? Walking the balance between business and the creative life can be hard. But Matt and Shelby are here to attempt to answer the tough questions, so you don't need an undo. Presented by Made by Things, this is the Command Z Show. And we're back with another episode of the Command Z Show. Shelby, how are you doing? Pretty good. I have to say that every time we start. I know, you do. Pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty good. How are you, Matt? Uh, I, I'm fine. All right, listen, I want to talk about something oh, really no. important real okay. quick. I was going through some of the past recordings that we've done, mm-hmm. and I was laughing out loud because I noticed that your hairstyle is different in every <laughs> single recording that we've ever done it's true probably yeah i that's that's crazy to me i've had the same hairstyle well i just kind of wear the hat usually (laughs) but even when i'm not wearing a hat i've had the same hairstyle for the last i want to say 12 years maybe maybe 10 i i don't know i don't get it you need to expand expand the horizons here matt you know maybe i don't know I just the hats just I just wear the hat. It just makes me comfortable. It's my blanket, security blanket, and uh, well, it just works. You could always just like grow out like one little rat tail. Nobody'll know. I just right from bottom I of the hat. Going right yeah, now. see, you're you're hiding it. You just shield it up of, in there. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta do something about that. I know. All right, <laughs> listen, we have a very very important guest today. Maybe the most important guest we have ever had on this show. Kevin Rapp. Kevin, how are you today? Buddy, I'm in progress is growing my rat tail. So <laughs> I that's that's where I'm at right now. I think that'll raise my importance level. I mm-hmm. I mean if I'm gonna take fashion or hair advice, I'm definitely taking it from Shelby. So There you go. That's, See? Rat tail That's for that's how I'm doing. <laughs> It's funny because so like we we generally start working around nine. If it's nine oh like two or so, and I'm like Shelby, let's have a quick call. She's like, hold on, <laughs> and I'm like, I know what you're doing right now. <laughs> it's, it's eight a.m. for me. So, I know oh, it's true. You know, I'm a little early. I got to get a little curl or a little lip. You know, something's got to come on. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I appreciate um, your commitment, Shelby. Commitment to the bit. Yep. Commitment to the fit. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> A plus, A plus. Well done. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see here. Before we kind of dive in here, Kevin, can you give a little bit of a, an a intro, a little background on yourself? Sure, I can do that. Um, hi, I'm Kevin Rapp. I hi. am the chief creative officer and founder of a creative consulting company. It's very creatively named Kevin Rapp Consulting. Uh, I spent all the creative energy on that one. Uh, so it's all downhill from there. <laughs> quite frankly. (laughs) I've been doing branding and video content for primarily tech companies and have been in the industry for, you know, over 15 years working at studios and at startups, um, primarily um, doing video content creation. Um, But over the past few years, I've really dove into the startup world, working at uh, a company called Root Insurance where I was employee 100 and within three years took it from a series B startup to 
a public company with over 1,800 employees. So just crazy, insane, mega growth. And um, recently just dove out on my own for the first time to really kind of help other companies do the same thing that I did for Root, which is help them build a lot of content at scale and help companies that don't really know how to communicate their value figure out how to tell that story. Love it, man. Uh, Kevin, we first met, it was about nine years ago. Yeah, almost a decade at this point. That's so crazy. It's insane. That's buck wild. We're we're old. I still feel like, I guess, I still feel like I just moved to Columbus, like, so often, where I'm like, all right, just got here. So basically, the story is that I was in Los Angeles, and then whenever I moved to Columbus, ended up taking, well started out as a short-term contract, ended up as a longer-term one for a company called Space Junk. And that's where Kevin and I met. And uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's been a wild nine years. and uh, Lots changed. You've, you've become <laughs> a, a pillar of changed. the community. You've Listen, I mean, I'm... listen, listen. The stuff that you're doing, uh, yeah. I feel like I'm now having to, to keep up because <laughs> I see you posting. I see the great stuff that you're doing. I'm like, oh, man. All right, I got to turn it up into another, another level here. Well, like, I I don't say that lightly. That's I, I said it in a joking, like, turn like, tur- of phrase, but, like, literally you've become a pillar of the community of creatives here, and um, I think very highly of you and what you do. Well, that's nice. <laughs> Just take the compliment. Uh, Just I, take the compliment. I, you know, don't deflect, Matt. Take the compliment. I, I like to deflect because... Anytime I hear a compliment, it's always like I'm, it's like I've crossed a finish line of some sort. That's just mm. what it feels like to me. So I'm always like, well, we still have like a ways to go. Yeah. And like, I don't know. That's generally how I always feel about it. But I I very much appreciate you saying that though. Um, it, it means a lot to me, especially coming from you. Well, uh, and that's all we have likewise. for today. <laughs> Goodbye. The, yeah, we've, we've reached the emotional uh, journey that we've been going for for this entire three minutes. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, all right. All right. Serious time. Um, basically, in this season of the Command Z show, what we are asking people is more specifically what things they wish that they could hit Command Z on. Now, I'll tell you right now that everyone... Almost everyone has said, well, there's nothing that I would really, like, regret or, like, really take back. But I think we've we've been trying to dive in there of, like, trying to figure out what kind of things do you wish you could have done differently? Or if somebody else is in your shoes, what would you tell them to potentially try to do differently? So, yeah. all that being said, Kevin, what do you wish you could undo? That's a great question. And one I had to think really hard on. Because I think I had that immediate reaction, too, of, like, I don't really wish I could undo things because a failure is a big part of how I got to where I am. You know, if I know how to do something or if I can say confidently this is the right way to do it, it's because I've done it the wrong way three times. You know what I mean? And so it is a hard question for me to really look back and say, what are the things that I that I wish I could really do differently because I think of my career as a series of experiments and I really take that scientific method approach of, okay, I'm going to test this. I'm going to try it. I'm going to see if this is right for me. And I'm going to take what I learned from that experience and 
and carry that forward. The only way I think I truly fail is if I don't learn from the times I mess up. Right, right. But I did come up with two that I could come up with. I came up with two undos. Um, You mentioned that we worked together at Space Junk. And when I first started working there, this is is my first undo. Undo number one. Um, When I first started there, I had come from a pretty small studio where, you know, I was kind of the person who did a lot of different things. I wore a lot of different hats. So I started as an editor and animator and like I ended my time there as an art director. But most of the time I was art directing myself. (laughs) I was like (laughs) I was the designer and editor and animator. So I was like telling myself what to do, like move those pixels around. And then I was like, oh, you're a jerk, but I'll do it anyway, I guess. (laughs) And so when I moved into Space Junk where there was like a clear hierarchy, I was a director. I had a team that I was supposed to be leading creatively I had some insecurity about that. I was like, I know how to do this for myself. I know how to do this in this small studio that I worked for. But now people are looking to me for answers and guidance and direction. And I have to be the person that has the answers. And I felt a lot of insecurity around whether I was good enough. You know, of course, imposter syndrome was sinking in. And I've learned a lot about how to process that over the years but back then i did not really have very great tools and so what i was doing then was overcompensating for my insecurities i was trying to show off that i was valuable in other ways um when i first started i interviewed everyone in the company i was like i want to do meet and greets with everyone and i asked like questions about like how can i be a better director how can i serve you as an artist better and then there were times when i was like okay but i also want to show off that i can help with branding I can do these other things. So I started asking questions that were really showing off these other capabilities that I had. And it really just came across like I was stepping into other people's lanes. It, it just did not come across well. <laughs> do you, did it come, it came across that way to you or to other people? To other people, other people. Interesting. Like, I think some of them felt like I was like full on interrogating them <laughs> and other people felt like, hey, this guy's asking questions about the Space Junk brand. He's asking questions about business development because I had built these like contact lists for all these agencies because I was trying to do that at, at the studio that I used to work for. And and it just rubbed people the wrong way. And and I understand why now. Uh, looking looking back, at the time I felt like I was just asking questions so that I could be the best person in that role that I could possibly be. But other people really thought I was coming in hot. And I was. And so that's something that I would really approach differently now. I would I would approach that with more tact now. I, I would mm-hmm. still ask questions and I would still want to get to know people in an organization if I was coming in. But I would have a lot better sense of what my own value was, number one. So I wouldn't feel the need to really show like, hey, I can do all these other things too. I would feel comfortable just saying, this is my role. I'm comfortable in it. And I'm comfortable in myself and my abilities. And I don't need to show off. Like, I'm here. <laughs> if I'm here, right. there's a reason. They believe that I deserve to be here. And I don't need to prove otherwise. That's... Sorry, go ahead. And then the other thing that it would do is I, I would just ask the questions of how I could best serve the team. Rather than doing it to prove that I was... I, I had these capabilities. Yeah. Right. It's, it's interesting from my perspective because 
at the same time that like in the time that I was there, I was going through something very similar. And I'll kind of go through that in a second. If you hear the kids screaming, they're fine. Um, the I saw you as a very confident, outgoing person, and I I never got that sense. But I mean, I I wasn't in one of those leadership positions of of any sort. So I just know that anytime that we work together, like. I loved the energy that you were bringing to to everything. There was never like, oh, well, I guess we gotta do this <laughs> stuff. Like, I, I, if there's one word that I could label you with, it, it would be energy. And um, I don't know. Is to me, I just is very welcoming and very different from anything that I ever experienced to to that point. Um, so what I was gonna say is like. So my experience, again, very, really similar where I'm coming from Los Angeles, working on music videos, commercials, TV shows, working on some pretty big projects. And I knew like, as I'm like on the plane to Columbus, I'm like, okay, like, I don't want to be like the asshole. That's like, listen up everybody. Like, this is how this is done. Um, so, the, but there was also that part where I'm like, okay, well, like I do, I do know stuff and like, right. I need to like remain confident with what I'm doing here. But like, truthfully, I, I definitely did not feel like there was a lot of insecurity that I had as well. Cause I'm like, okay, like I'm going to a different place altogether. Like they might view me potentially as like somebody that has all this experience and is like amazing right. at the stuff. But I'm like, I don't know. I think my insecurity was, was more about like just meeting the expectations that everyone had. Yeah. And That's it interesting. was, it was really difficult to do because up until that, my very first day at space junk, I never ever in my entire life opened up a Mac operating system. Really? I very rarely tell people that one. That's so fascinating. I was freaking out. Cause I was like, okay, this is different. <laughs> kind of plays into the role of, you know, command Z here a little bit, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, truthfully, we just use PCs pretty much. Well, I do anyway. It would um, be, but... it, this podcast was so close to being the control Z podcast. <laughs> it was so close. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. That was a, a thought, but um, I don't know. It's, it's just interesting that to, to think that other people were going through really similar things at the exact same time. Yeah, it's, it's funny because we're kind of like flip sides of the same coin of, of how we right. were kind of dealing with coming into that situation. And like for me, pretty much the first time I set on, stepped on set, I was directing the shoot. Right. <laughs> like that was the kind of situation that I was thrown into where like I was coming into this place where there were all these people had so much experience doing this work. And I, I came from a post background. I was an animator and an editor And then when I got into the role of like being a director, one of the first projects that Space Junk threw at me was a live action shoot where I was the director. And like, I'm not going to go around and tell the director of photography what lens to put on when when I'm in that type of situation. (laughs) I was like sitting there like, how the hell do I do this? Like, what what do I say? And it took me some time to figure out how to do that which was mm-hmm. really to figure out how to communicate where my own personal limitations were. I had to be comfortable with my limitations right. and I wasn't at first. It took me some time to figure that out. And what I mean by that is to say, I'm the director. I'm going to understand the vision 
of what the story is. I know how this is going to cut together because I have an experience with editing. I know what the mood is supposed to be. I know what the talent's action should be. I, I know kind of how long the shots should hang, and I know what's going to cut well together. So going from a wide shot to a tight, I, I know all of those things, and I can keep those things in my head. But I don't know what the best way to throw up the lighting, lighting grid is. Right. I don't right. know the best lens. I don't know some of the rules of composition the way that a director of photography does. And so now I've gotten to a place where I'm really comfortable telling a director of photography, these are the things that I'm really going to be looking at. And these are the things where I'm looking for you to bring your expertise to help us make the best collective decisions creatively. And it, at, at first I wasn't comfortable doing that. I wasn't confident enough in my abilities to say I have limitations and I have a perspective and it comes from this area and it comes from this experience. I, I felt like I would be showing weakness if I didn't just make decisions and didn't just communicate why I thought the things I thought. I thought that my value was in being the person who had the answers rather than the right. person who empowered other people to come up with the answers together. And when I got through that, when I crossed past that barrier, that's when I found myself gaining that confidence that you saw when you talked to me. Because right. you, you had seen me a few years into that journey where, where I right. had really learned the best way that I can lead this team is to, is to give them energy, is to empower them, is to help them unlock the things in themselves that is going to make this work better. Yeah, love that. Yeah, that was actually something when I first, um, when I was on my first like paying job, because I had been, I'd been to film school and it's like, oh, you know, you learn everything. So when I was a live action specialist, but you know, you get a little bit of everything. And I, you know, I like had tutored an animation class at one point. So I get to this other job and they're like, oh, can you just do a bunch of animation for us? It's like, I'm not an animator, but I'm not going to say I'm not an animator. So sure, I'll just do all this because you want to be the person that, oh, everybody can run to me with absolutely exactly. anything. Because, I mean, especially when you're first getting started, I mean, you're a little desperate too at some, at some level. So what I was just, you know, YouTube tutorials all day, every day, because I mean, yep. what else are you supposed to do? And it took me a very long time to just say, hey, can we give this to somebody else who's a little more skilled at this? As opposed to yeah. just throwing it all on me. And now I produce animation. So I guess there was, you know, something was gained in that. But, you know. You, you found the right call. Yeah, see, you that was the right, the right call. calling. I can tell other people and, you know, tell them to do it. But, you know, it took a long time to really understand that about, about myself. And I think that's a good thing, though, because it, it puts you in a better position. Um, when you do kind of do everything and try everything, I think it really helps showcase where you should be. Absolutely. I, I think so much of why it's a hard thing for me to answer, though, what would yeah. I undo question is like the trying lots of things and finding out what I should be doing and what I shouldn't is an important part of my journey. And I think it's an important part of a lot of artists journey. Mm -hmm. it, it takes some time to discover what you should be focusing your time and attention on and where you should fall away. Yeah, that, that's I, honestly, that's still something that even still to this day, that there's there's always the things that are like, 
no, you like, no, you shouldn't be doing this. Or should I be doing this? Like, I don't know, but I, I think what it is kind of like what you were saying, you get a little bit more comfortable with like not being good at certain things or yeah. just being okay with, with that idea, you know? Yeah. But because you start to think like, I'm going to lose other opportunities if I don't take right. the one that's in front of me. You, it, it's very easy to just say, yes, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I, yeah. I say it's easy to say. It's hard to say because it's hard to do. But right. it's easy to to fall into the trap of right. saying yes to everything because you're afraid that someone is going to think less of you if you say that's not what I do well. Or someone will say, okay, well, if they're going to say no to this, then I don't think that we should give them other opportunities in the future, Right. You start to question what your value is if you don't say yes to everything. But some of the most valuable brands and people in the world are valuable because they know what they do well. And they tell you, this is what we do. Like, Apple isn't selling sneakers, right? Like, like would they not make... Yet. Not yet. <laughs> would they make good ones? Probably. But they yeah. they are tight about what they do. And they are very clear about it and you don't think less of them because they don't sell shoes. You say, okay, the thing that they do well, I'm going to value them appropriately for. So I think it takes a lot of confidence to say no. And a lot of confidence and experience to say, this is my lane. This is what I do well. And I have some flex within that, but this thing that you're asking that's way outside of it, is bet you're going to be better served if you find somebody who does it well. Right. So I guess the other thing I want to bring up is especially like, you know, going off on your own, uh, starting your own business and same thing for myself. It's interesting because when you start being in this role of sales, mm-hmm. you can't necessarily tell someone like, Oh, well, I don't do any of this stuff. Totally. Like it's, they're expecting a deliverable of some kind in the end. And Absolutely. it's up to you to figure out, how do I now put put all this together? Who do I basically put into place to do this stuff? But you still have to be able to speak intelligently about pretty much all aspects of it um, to be able to do that successfully. It's tough. Yeah, that's, that is a really tough space to be in um, because I, I have gotten into the space where I've built trusted relationships with companies that like oh you do this thing well can you do this too and there there are times where i'm like okay that's not my area of expertise but i know somebody who does it really well and i can bring them on and that that's a really good way to work about it for for both the company because they know that they have somebody who can manage the overall creative direction and make sure that that it's the right solution for the brand and it's the right solution for me because it's like i can bring on somebody who does this really well and it is just kind of a win-win for everybody and I can, you know, show other capabilities that I can do. It, it, it diversifies my offerings, but it makes it a more comfortable experience. But I do try to be, I do try to put limitations on that because I don't want to spread myself too thin. I don't want to jump so far outside of my lane that I do get into that area of like, I'm not actually able to execute this well. I'm not actually the right fit for this. I know a little bit about, you know, I, about marketing, for example, right? Like I know 
how to optimize creative deliverables for the marketing channels that exist today. I'm not going to build you a marketing plan. <laughs> I'm not going to be the right. one that tells you, you've got to be in these exact channels. This should be your media spend. That's outside of my purview. I can bring you the right partner that, that can help with that, but I'm, I'm not even going to be the one to oversee that because right. I'm not the one that I can say confidently can make the final decisions on every single aspect of how to set up the media plan. That's one where I would say, I'm, I'm just going to tell you the right partner to work with. All right. Love that. All right. Let's go into number two. Number undo. two. Yeah. So number two undo. It, it, these are things that kind of have common overlap themes, which is really around insecurity. The, the thing that I really wish that I could undo over, over my, my career is I wish that I had more confidence in myself a lot earlier. And so this is I, that I was a terrible advocate for myself throughout my career. I allowed myself to take positions that paid me a lot less than I was worth. I stayed around at jobs longer than I should have because I felt indebted to the company rather than feeling like I was somebody who was contributing value. I think as creatives, we get hung up on this concept of like, oh, we're so lucky to work at this company that pays me to do this thing that I love, yeah. right? When you tie the emotion of what you do with your profession, it's really hard to untangle those feelings and really difficult to advocate for yourself in times where you really need it. And so it, it took me really until very recently until I could really say confidently that I am worth this. This is what my value is. And it's because I deliver this value to the businesses that I work with. It's taken me... <laughs> almost 15 years to say that I can talk about why the work I do is valuable and I don't feel the need to feel grateful to a company for employing me. I used, I used to feel that way. I used to feel that I wasn't worth enough that I was easily replaceable that, um, companies were taking a shot on me rather than companies were getting cheap labor from a talented person who deserved to be there. <laughs> yeah. It it took it took me a long time to break that mentality. And I I really, really wish that I learned that sooner. Because interesting. There were a lot of situations that I put myself in that I didn't need to be in. There are a lot of negative feelings that I had about myself and the work that I was doing that that came from purely the fact that I was allowing myself to be undervalued because I undervalued myself. That's a I think that's a that's a big one right there. It is a big one. I, I think it's 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 really common, especially for artists, especially to figure out kind of what their value is. I don't want to say to the world because that's not it. It's what your value is to the place that you work for. Yeah. Um, Shelby loves the place that she works for. <laughs> of course she does. 
That's um, behind but, me right now. That, like he's just over in the other room. It's <laughs> <laughs> flying on me. <laughs> so you like in the cage, she really feels great. Yeah. About it. Yeah. <laughs> I I was doing I was doing uh, I started doing interviews for a position that we have open last week and um or earlier this week. And I was telling telling the person, I'm like, you know what, we've actually like never had anyone like quit before on our team. And then I followed that up immediately immediately with, because we don't let them. <laughs> and like I kept a straight face for way too long and I was like, damn it. That was they, they laughed eventually, but uh, I, how long did it take for that eventually to come out? It was pretty quick. It was okay. it was a test, okay. right? That was Good. part of the test of Great. the interview. Like, do you have a sense of humor? Because you're yeah. gonna need it. <laughs> um, but I was like, after I said that, I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> Why do I say that in like a formal like interview setting? But I don't know. It, anyway, it gives uh, them a very clear picture of what they're going to have to deal with. I hope so. <laughs> um, My standard I, interview I, question at the end is, what's your favorite dinosaur? So I, I, <laughs> I don't know that I'm much better. <laughs> That's a good one. They're probably like really overanalyzing it. Like, oh my God, there's a right and wrong answer here. What is it? I don't know. I, if I say I, T-Rex, it makes me look too aggressive. <laughs> I, I did write like very thorough explanations on on my opinions of the person based on the dinosaur they chose so they should overanalyze it i called them i called them dino truths um it's great triceratops get them out of here i don't want them hr loved me hr loved me (laughs) so 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 that idea of the like um there's times where we still get checks from clients where i'm like whoa is that justified with like the the value that we are providing yeah and i i think this is it's something that everybody goes through um it's definitely like there's some days where i'm like hell yeah like we're doing amazing work like this is totally valuable to them like we're doing more than what they're paying for absolutely and then some days where i'm like all right it feels like we should have like should be doing more for this and we always try to obviously but like yeah, there's there's the days that that come in where a check comes in and you stare at it and you're like, "Holy shit." Like, I right. didn't I don't like I don't know. Like, are, are, am I worth this? Is our team worth this? Yeah. Um but at the end of the day, I don't know, you sort of like when you realize how much has gone into what it makes our team what it is and the experiences that we've all had that have brought us to this point and the conversations that we're able to have with clients. And it's like, yeah, like <laughs> we're definitely worth it. Yeah. I, yeah. you know, no mechanic ever looks at the, the carburetor they replace and goes, Oh, is, is that worth the, the amount that I put into this? Like, they just say, no, it costs what it costs. And creatives are so much more willing to undervalue themselves because creative work is so subjective, right? right? And so when you are the person that is in charge of deciding what the value is and you subconsciously have been trained your entire life that what you do is 
a flight of fancy? How are you going to make a career out of that? Right. Is that really right. as important as what you think it is? Let me pay you an exposure box. We <laughs> have been we've been culturally trained to undervalue our own creative work. And so when we're the ones who are in charge of deciding what the value is, that is going to inform what the price becomes. And so, yeah, you're going to look at those prices and go, wow, I, I think that maybe we're charging too much when really, if you evaluate it purely from a business standpoint, it's like they're probably getting 10 times, 20 times the value of what they paid. And it took me actually being inside a company uh, when I was in-house at Root to look at the value I, of what I did from a dollars and cents perspective. Because I was creating around 250 videos a year. And when I was looking at the budget of how much I was creating that content for, like it was like $1,500 per video. And when I took an analysis of like, how much would this work cost if I were to farm it out to a studio rather than producing the majority of it internally? I looked at it and go, I'm saving this company $5 million a year. Mm-hmm. And that's purely in production cost alone. When I look at the performance of that content, some of those things, which were some of the highest performing ads the company has ever made, I'm like, oh, and I'm also making them millions on the back end. Right. So right. when I say, like, I think I deserve an extra 20000 or an extra 30000 in my salary, I felt so justified in doing that because my value is in the millions of what I'm delivering right. to this business. And that really empowered me to have those conversations in ways that I never could before because I could never say in dollars and cents what my value was when I was working at a studio because I, I, I didn't have a lot of data to really say, this is why my work is valuable. We never heard from an agency. Like, here's how much we increase conversions on this video we made. We, we just heard like, right. Yeah. We'd like you to do another one. <laughs> right. Like that's yep. how we yep. knew something was successful. Yeah. Yep. So, really being able to assess what my value was and really being able to take ownership of that has really led me to where I am right now, which is where I said, I think I can make a go at doing my own thing. The work that I do is valuable. I think other people will pay me to do the things that I did at Root because I see not just a good department that I've built. I see a business model here. I see something that other startups are going to find valuable and would love to have me do for them too. And I wish I learned that earlier. I wish I was able to feel that confidence in myself then that I feel now. I think that was something I actually, um, I'm really grateful that I learned that lesson very early because when I first got started, I had a lot of people just kind of coming after me. And a lot of it was just like, as a woman in film, it's a very like, difficult thing to enter. And when I came more, more aggressive in advocacy and especially standing up for like, okay, well, women in film, you should understand what your worth is. That really instilled in me the idea of, oh, we're all worth this. We're worth this much. And it, I think it helped me accept that a lot earlier than, you know, like working for many years and then saying, okay, you know what? Actually, yes, I am worth this much. Cause I was fairly young and saying, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go off and get my first job and this is how much I should be making because this is my worth. I have the education. I have the skill set. Pay me what I'm worth, you know? 
And I think a Absolutely. lot of that just came down to the advocacy that I was doing. And I, I think you're hitting on something also, which I think is really great, is that there's a greater sense of community now yeah. than there was 15 years ago when I entered sure. the industry. Um, I feel like you have more opportunities to talk to people that are open about salary transparency. Yeah. Salary transparency did not exist as far as I uh, knew <laughs> right. 15 years ago. And that's why I am very vocal on podcasts or my own LinkedIn platform where I say, like, these were my salaries at this stage in the game. This is how much I'm making as a as a solo business owner. The, I want people to understand and I want to have these conversations because I think it is important so that everyone can know what what they're properly what they properly should be valued at. And how they can advocate for themselves because I, I wasn't able to, because I didn't have the information to really empower myself. And, and, and it warms my heart to hear that younger people are having that ability, having those conversations and feeling that empowerment to advocate for themselves. Because I think it's really, really important that we teach that to other people. I think it's important that, that, young people should feel that ability to advocate for themselves there are some that that view that as entitlement mm -hmm. i view it as progress yeah i i think another i don't know i guess i always go back to where we live where we're all in the in the midwest here yep. and i feel like it's even more difficult I don't know. There, there's definitely a part of me that says like those conversations are a little bit more difficult because of how we were raised and totally. where we are from. Um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely something that I think about a lot. And that's probably where the experience was a little bit different for me whenever I went out to Los Angeles because I was like, I don't know. I've never been like super shy or anything like that. If I truthfully... Uh, if I ever felt like I needed a raise or deserved a raise, I was going straight up to the person that I felt like could make that decision. And I would say, hey, I think this is what I should be paid right now. And they'd be like, why? I'm like, literally, it's the average. Like, <laughs> I'm just asking for the average yeah. in the city. Like, I can't pay all my, I mean, I could pay my bills, but like, if I miss one paycheck, I'm screwed completely. Right. Like, I don't even know what to do. And you know, after a lot of conversations, they'd give me a quarter and I'm like, all right. <laughs> yep. Um, and but, I, yeah. I was having I was having a hard time even doing that where I would say like, oh, I'm I'd love to hear about what my career path was. And when you work at smaller or midsize studios, they kind of string you along. They'll say like, yeah, we're thinking about that. Here's you know, we're at your next review. We'll we'll have a thorough kind of plan for what you're going to do. And then the next review comes up and there's no conversation around it. And it's like, uh, okay, yeah. well, when, when is this coming? And there's this sense of, at our company, we're a family. And by that we mean <laughs> you're going to feel really uncomfortable asking your dad for a raise. Like, that, that, that's, <laughs> that's the definition of family. <laughs> so it, it, there's just all these things that, that intertwine in the personal feelings and the emotional side and the business side that I just had a really hard time disentangling them so that I could properly advocate for myself. And I, I wish I had the confidence to just say, 
I want to raise and here here's why I I deserve it. Um, I just I just didn't have that ability then, and mm-hmm. and now I do. Now yeah. I do. You should have saw me at 16 years old working at Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> Uh, I asked for a raise like once every like three months I and it that. worked most of the time it worked. <laughs> That's amazing. So you know, I initially was getting paid $5 and 40 cents an hour. Uh, I think that was minimum wage at the time. Probably. Um, I ended up getting up to like seven twenty-five before I left. The mouse provides okay. my man. <laughs> the mouse does provide. Oh <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. That's uh. That's what I'm going to have to keep. <laughs> the mouse provides. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, um, I'd like to have some, some final thoughts here. Um, Shelby, you want to kick off some final thoughts for us? Sure. I, um, this is a conversation that I really appreciate, especially um, just to highlight, too. Being able to actually talk about salaries, I think, is such an important thing because, I mean, it's so just, you know, business owners typically are saying, you know, you can't talk about these things, even going to the point of saying it's illegal to, which it's definitely not, you know, and it is, should be something that is, is well accepted within, especially the community, the creative communities, because there is a lot of discrepancy. And I mean, I've experienced it pretty on a pretty profound level, a $20,000 profound level. So, I mean, it's something that these are things that should be, that should be talked about and, you know, open just within the community. And it shouldn't be something that's, you know, hidden behind locked doors or something. It's, you know, be open and it's not a big deal. I mean, it's just talking about your worth and that should be accepted. Absolutely. The, the intersections of, of race and gender and uh, all of the ways in which marginalized people yeah. get even more marginalized because we're not willing to have these conversations publicly is a travesty. So I, I always advocate for speaking at it more publicly because it's the only way that we as a community are going to grow. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's especially interesting from a client perspective. Um, like there's times where, you know, we charge, I don't know, like there's there's some projects that we've done where it's like okay you know what we think we could do this for forty thousand, and we get through the project get to the end of it and they're like wow you guys did an amazing job especially knowing that everyone else was quoting one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand like damn it damn it <laughs> yep like they think that like I don't know like they're excited about that and they kind of rub it in your face a little bit and it's like well I didn't know that yeah that <laughs> like been... if I knew that. It... You know, one of the things that I did at Root is when, you know, a vendor or a contractor came to me and said, like, here's my quote. I was like, okay, you need to jump that up 30% because (laughs) here's what the other people quoted me. Like, I, or here's what the industry standard for that work is. I've actively advocated while I was on the client side, like, you should push your rates up because you are worth more. And I do the same thing now as a studio owner. Um, one of the things that I think is not a studio owner, but you know, business owner, um, Mm -hmm. I advocate for all of my people and I, I raise all of the contractors rates that I work with because I want people to want to work with me and I still am able to deliver a lot of value. I'm still able to be competitive in my pricing, but I can treat my people well too. And that is what is important to me. And so I'm, I'm very big on people getting paid what they're worth 
and yeah. I I still think that it is possible for that to happen and and for businesses to still be successful. I still save root five million a year, even advocating for the people that I was working with to be paid with or. Yeah. Yeah, love that. Um, final thoughts for me, I guess a couple things here. Um, I guess the, the biggest thing that I'll say is I don't, I don't think it's always a malicious thing where everyone's always just trying to like undercut. What, what I do think is that the value that you bring to one company can be wildly different to another where for one company, they just might be like, Hey, you know what? I have $2,500. And then another company can for the exact same thing, add two more zeros to that. Wait, the whole sec. Yeah, two more zeros. So it could be a $250,000 project 100%. for somebody else. And it can be tough to navigate for sure. Um, but I, I think it's just experience in general that always helps try to, I don't know, understand where you should be in these in these certain areas. Because, again, no, nobody wants to gouge somebody else. But at the same point, I mean, that's honestly how I was able to grow Made by Things to what it is right now is slowly, I don't want to say slowly overcharging, but like <laughs> slowly charging more than honestly what I thought I was worth. Because I'll, I'll like, rephrase okay. that as stop undercharging. Does that feel better? <laughs> I think I think that's what it was, honestly. But it's like when you start to charge more appropriately, you realize like, oh, okay, like we could hire another person here. Yeah. We could start offering other benefits here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, to me, that's that's easily one of the most fun parts about all this stuff is when you actually, you know, have the money to be able to take the team for a retreat or like do something like that where it's like, this is not stuff that we have to do, but... It is stuff that makes the team better as a whole. It brings us together, not as a family. I, I never use that word. <laughs> um, but as a, you know, I always call us a community more so than a family. Like we all have a common goal that we have here. Um, I don't know. So it, it's things like that where, again, just from the client side, just, just thinking about those things. But again, yeah, it does. It works from the other side as well. Always just, you know, as an artist, making sure that, I mean, if you're even questioning it it's it's always worth having that conversation especially with people around you so and and examining within yourself like why do i feel this way why do i feel like i'm undervaluing myself why why or why do i feel like i'm worth less than the industry standard or why do i think i'm worth more than this right like how, how examine how you're feeling talk to other people get data points understand what the true value of the work that you do is and give yourself the confidence to advocate for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you unless you have like a really 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 good manager who is somebody who agent yeah somebody who really (laughs) really cares about you and wants you to be there it's it's going to be on you to take control of your career and take control of your growth. If you hope somebody else is going to recognize that value without you speaking for it, you're going right. to be waiting a long time. Yeah. Right. Love it. All right. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for, uh, for, for joining us, for getting together here. 
a lot of the stuff that you do, again, just on LinkedIn, just for the community as a whole, I think is, is just great stuff that just brings a lot of positivity to the world, as I would expect. Thanks, brother. I appreciate and, it. And um, where can people find more info on you? Um, the easiest place is to just find me on LinkedIn. That is the corner of the internet that I scream into on pretty much a daily basis. Sometimes Same. quite literally. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's the best place to find me. Um, you, you can just search for Kevin Rapp on LinkedIn. There's a good chance you'll find me. There's a purple smoke in the background. You'll, you'll, you'll know it's me. Yep. Real quick before you keep going here, I want to talk about some of the posts that you make. Okay. Very important industry posts here. There was one, I can't remember the exact title, but it was like your 10 favorite bands or what was it? It was the, my what? 10 favorite concerts that I saw live. Concerts. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was a very important industry shaking <laughs> insight. <laughs> Uh, but no, no, seriously though, some of that stuff, I'm like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Why didn't I do that? <laughs> so like, I don't know. I, I, I love seeing what you're doing on there. I love just the, the creativity of the posts that you have going. So thanks buddy. I, I, I constantly joke that like people need to remember that a personal brand should be both a personal and be a brand. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. if it doesn't have any personality, it's, it's what, what are you even doing? Don't waste your time. There's enough. <laughs> love it. There's yep. enough boring noise on LinkedIn. Do something weird. Have That's fun true. with it. It's really not, I say this like it's easy, but like it's really not that difficult to just stand out on a platform like that because it's yeah. like you just, everyone is almost saying the same stuff. Yep. So just say it either a different way or just some, something different entirely. Yeah. Um, but ultimately just, again, being a, a positive person on a platform like that, I think has already just put you leaps and bounds past everyone else pretty much so well all right. likewise to both of you friends yep yep all right uh well that's all we have appreciate everybody for listening this long if you're still listening which if you hear this you're probably still listening i guess eh, probably anyway uh thank you and love you bye the comanzi show is created by made by things And if you have a question you would like us to discuss, you can send a message at cmdc.show. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We'll see you next week with a brand new show.